Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have local musician Dmitry Stoyanovich. And I, the, the hardest part of this podcast is now... Is it my name? Yeah. Um, so yeah, your name for sure. So I'm trying to think how it was that we got in touch with each other. And I think it's through our mutual friendship with Ryan Metcalf. Completely random. So you randomly mess or didn't message me. You, uh, friend requested me and I said, I have no idea who this guy is, but his mutuals are really cool. And I kind of, you know, you do the peruse the little thing, um, of the mutual friends and kind of see what's on your page. And I don't know, for some reason, most of the time I will decline friend requests. I made the cut. I, yeah, and, and that's not me trying to be like, no, oh, I love really it. I feel, I feel better about I myself. I typically will be like, if I don't know this person, I don't want to add them because then I'm just kind of inflating this already big bubble. Sure. And, and I don't, it just makes it hard because if I'm not going to interact with somebody, I also wonder like, what do they want to know? But anyway, I, I looked at your friends, uh, friends list a little bit on your page. I said, this guy seems cool. I'll just add him because of the fact that he's friends with so many mutual uh, creators in the Tampa area. Right. Shakers and movers. And, um, I, I randomly saw after that, I randomly saw you on another friend's page, Mark Rivera. Yep. It's a guy I've he known was just for, on last week. Right. Yeah. And it's a guy I've known for a long time, for over probably 15, 16 years at this point. And I and I was like, what's and, and Mark Mark said he was going to be on a podcast. So I go and check it out and I, I start to put two and two together. I was like, this is the guy that just added me. And um Mark's a really interesting guy. Um, but Great still guy, yeah. I, I love listening to um people I know or people in the area. Just talk about their backgrounds, uh, particularly musicians, artists. And I went and listened to the podcast and I was like, this is a, this is really cool because it's cool to hear things about Mark that I didn't know, sure. even though I've known him for so long, particularly what he's been doing lately, just because right. life has a way of getting in the way of things. And we haven't really talked much in the last couple of years, but I listened and I said, this guy's like a pretty cool host. And I'm not just saying that because well, I'm sitting that. Thank here you. in front of you. Um, and then I started going through the catalog of the podcast on Spotify and I'm like, this is a guy I know. This is a girl I know. This is another person I've heard of in the area. This Tom DeGeorge. And here's like a local politician. And I started to kind of really dive into the um, into the catalog of the guests. And I started listening to Ryan Metcalf's. Um, I've listened to Anne's from the Mervis. Sure, uh, yeah. I don't know her, but now after listening to your podcast, it feels like I know her. Right. Yeah. And Ryan also I've known off and on for for close to two decades. And it's really interesting to hear people's stories. I listen to Jeremy Gloss too. Well, uh, his was a great one. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that, that guy's amazing. All of them, all of them have been great in their own way. And for some reason, I just wanted to message you to tell you maybe subconsciously I did. Uh, maybe there was a part of me that was like, it'd be cool, to, cool to be on there. But, um, yeah, that was, well, my master plan worked. That was, that was all by design on (laughs) my part. So uh, let me, let me kind of give you a little bit of the background here is I am a, uh, I'm a family law attorney who wishes he was a rock star, uh, wishes he was an artist, wishes he ran a cool club or bar, wishes he did all the thing that he, he, he doesn't, but has gotten to know these people through this podcast. Um, 
So the, the funny thing is, is in trying to market my law firm, I had gotten the idea that if I can friend as many people uh, on social media as possible, I can expand the message. So I did that about a year ago and I immediately regretted it. There's been a number of things that have happened as a result of that. Number one is there's a number of people's like, do I know you? Why are you asking? So that was the first thing. And now like all automatically I'm on the back foot defending myself. It's like, I promise you, I'm not some, you know, stalker scumbag. I'm just looking to kind of market. So that was number one. Okay. And then number two was, uh, I was a prosecutor over in Pinellas County for uh, a number of years. And, uh, one of my fellow prosecutors over there asked me out to lunch and we went out to lunch. And I thought as an attorney, a lot of times when younger attorneys ask you out to lunch, they want to ask you questions Favors. about not well, <laughs> just, how to learn. you know, what do you think about yeah, yeah. this? How should I run my business? You know, I'm having trouble marketing, whatever. So, and I'm always happy to do it. There's two types of attorneys that you run into. There's just those who don't want to tell you shit because right. they don't want a competition or they're those who will give you the shirt off their back. And those are the people that helped me. So I wanted to, you know, pay it forward and, and do that for whatever. At some point in the middle of this conversation, though, he dropped on me that he played with Fugazi that he not in Fugazi, oh, but okay. played with Fugazi was in all these hardcore Wait, bands. Is it Greg? I can't, well, I have to be very careful because he's got an alter ego that Dude, he doesn't want me to. I'm going to be honest with you. You've dropped the ball multiple I know, times. I know, but I, I like to, I like to toe the line. So yeah. in any event, uh, all of a sudden it went from senior attorney to uh-huh. younger attorney to complete fucking geek. Okay. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You're the coolest yeah, yeah. person ever. So. I had been toying with the idea of a podcast because I drive a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I'm putting down children to bed and I have to be. So my life mostly occurs inside of headphones. Sure. When I'm not being an attorney, like I don't want to talk to a soul when I get home. And so I'm either listening to music or I'm doing podcasts. And that was, I was like, I can do that. You know, I can't play guitar for shit. I can't do all this other stuff, but I know how to talk to people. I know what I find interesting. I know what I think is cool. And so. Here we are today. So first thing I'll tell you is uh, you have a voice for radio. You absolutely <laughs> have a face de- for radio. <laughs> I, th- I think that's debatable. <laughs> yeah, that's always subjective. But your that. voice is you have you have a very good voice. You have a really good rapport when you talk with people. That's one of the first things I noticed because uh, like you, uh, every I think every 30 something year old white male is a is a podcast guru these days. Yeah. But I love podcasts. It's kind of like a companion without Without all of the um, challenges that come with with a companion, you don't, you know, you can't always have a friend li- with you logistically. You're traveling in a car with yourself, uh, and, and there's nobody in the car with you, so it's like having a friend, but they don't have to physically be there. So I definitely um, can relate to that. But yeah, you have a voice and a demeanor, and the way you interview is is absolutely. I would have never guessed, you know, you were in your first, you know, year of doing this or your first. Are you aware of Malcolm Gladwell and, yeah, yeah, and what was it? 10,000 hours. Sure, I've yeah. probably listened to 10,000 hours. So of you're podcasts. an expert now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if by osmosis or just by experiencing yeah. it as a listener, I've picked up things. No, it's great. You it's know, great. well, and then also I've cross-examined people. I've deposed many people. So, uh, you know, if I have to shine a light in your face and start, you know, asking you hard hitting questions, I can do that. Would too, you but. mind if towards the end, if you have like five, 10 minutes, I can ask you some questions about you 100%. because I'm literally know nothing about you. Other we, than we can do that. I, I've, I've, that. I've actually been talking with Greg about for the hundredth episode, okay. switching chairs and letting him, I think that'd be great. He's going to do that. And then also I've, I've heard that he can get me an interview with Michael J. Wolf. 
How how is he going to swing? I that? don't know. <laughs> He's got pull, so we'll see. Um. Well, here's so here's you know I, I've mentioned this before, but I, this seems like a topic that maybe you would you would be keen on. So lately, on everybody's lips is Have you seen the Social Dilemma? Um. Have you heard of this documentary? It just came out with. Oh a couple yeah yeah weeks. yeah. So my my girlfriend put this on, and this is um this is I mean I'll go ahead and ask your question, but I have. Well, it to says say about you that. know there, there's a line that everybody seems to be posting, which is something to the effect of if you can't tell what the product is, you're the product or something like that. And so basically, uh, social media is trafficking in you, is trafficking in your habits, is trafficking in your interests is selling you is selling exposure to you it's it's uh, you know it, it it came out with maybe less than sinister designs but has been bastardized into sinister means to ends and and so kind of went that i think the dilemma although i haven't watched it all the way through is weighing the good with the bad um so Having not seen it all the way through the end, here's my kind of perverse take on podcast, which is I'm using social media and technology to bring me closer together with people by talking with them for longer than most people talk to their significant other or their children. So, but what's wrong with that? Nothing. I'm saying I'm right. I'm I'm saying I'm going to use it for something good. And I'm going to, you know, everybody's saying social media is pushing us further apart and is divisive and is allowing us not to interact with the outside world. But by by what other circumstance would you and I be having an hour long conversation today? So that's what I was going to say. So there's a lot of evils and I'll try to keep this short. A lot of evils with social media. And I have a, I have a problem of existing in the moment. I just, that's the way my brain works is typically I'll either uh, over romanticize the past and have anxiety about the future, despite the fact that a lot of so being present is difficult. It's difficult for me, so it's a way. It's a way for me, and I think my my brain uses it a way to is it a way to kind of dissociate from that moment, or sure. also to decompress. So as I'm scrolling through all this thing, the way my brain works is I can intake. So my girlfriend, when we're like, for instance, trying to pick a movie on Netflix, I can literally scroll through twenty movies in about. Five, I think you and I seconds. are probably very similar. Right. And she's like, how are you reading that? I'm like, well, I am. And that's just the way my brain functions. So I don't get exhausted when I'm going through a social media feed. It doesn't rip through my brain. It kind of almost like calms That's the it frequency down. you operate on. Right. So, and in many ways, so I've had this conversation with uh, Andrew Domestico. I don't know if you know him. I don't know. No. He, uh, he does the whole Blade of Sir uh, stuff and he's got Achilles, another band. Really great guy. Blade of Sir sounds familiar. Yeah, he's a local. Uh, here's some of his discs I will right check here it out. in front cool, of you. Cool, cool. But uh, we ha- we always have this running conversation about how people who listen to hard music are some of the calmest, coolest people that you're ever going to run into. I think you're into. right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's uh, very true. You know, there's a frequency that we operate on that that speaks to. And it's the same with social media. And it's the same with scrolling things. My wife will want to, you know okay let's talk about this one yeah. let's talk about this one i'm like decision 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 yep. decision decision decision, like decision. and i i won't ask you about what you do i know that's kind of a separate world but i would bet that what you do requires you to have that gear yeah to an extent i mean it's a lot of what, what i do is it it's basically a a kind of like a HR administrative type work, but I'm constantly interacting with people and putting out fires and triage. You're in triage. And that's what's There's funny. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you no, no. You my, me my, my girlfriend's a nurse. So she's doing it on a much more critical level 
to where it's life and death. But she's got to have a bedside manner where maybe she's dealing one on one with people. And she's amazing at right. it. But we differ so much in terms of she doesn't tend to really want to disassociate and she calms down and decompresses in a different way than I do. But what, what you were saying is sometimes she'll go to show me something on the internet. 99.9% of the time, my response is, I'm sorry, I've already seen that. Yeah. So she gets really mad at me. She's like, how much time do you spend on the computer or on your phone? And technically it's a lot, but I'm still, the way I view it is like, is it healthy to dissociate all the time? Maybe not, but I'm, it's like I'm a functioning alcoholic when it comes to social media. You know what I mean? Well, 100%. And so I, this will seem like a humble brag and I don't mean it as such, but I think I'm an extremely empathetic person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've, I actually was researching this over the weekend because I was having an argument with people on social media. One of the That's downsides. That's a mistake. Yeah. Right. About, um, people with, lower uh emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and how that manifests itself in their political beliefs you could see how that would just Absolutely. spiral into yeah. a rabbit hole from there but sympathetic is the ability to feel bad for somebody's sure. situation a- empathy is that coupled with the ability to experience what they're experiencing yep. simultaneously so I am a only child. Me too. My parents were substantially older than all my friends' parents were. I didn't have that. Baby. They had some marital issues and they both Same relied here. on alcohol. And so as an only child, I was very keenly aware of what my parents were going through. Oh, yeah. And so that opened me up or made me sharpen my sword unwillingly to being very keenly aware of everybody's Hundred, I'm the same way, and it becomes exhausting. It is because, and I've I've often used the analogy. It's like having 20 TV sets on at one time. Yeah, and it's just like I need to silence all that. Yeah, and so a way for me to silence all that is to put my headphones on and listen to music, or to go off into a room by myself and play guitar, um, or for me to watch a movie, or for me to scroll through. It's like kind of this like cone, like they put on the dog's head so they don't scratch their ass. It's my little you know, personality cone, leave me alone for an so, hour So or we are just meeting right now and you uh, are more accurately describing, I guess, my day-to-day than I think most people could ever understand. So like that, that social media thing is not a true point of contention, but sometimes, you know, like when I'll be doing it um, in another setting, sometimes I think like uh, yesterday we went, we went bowling to this place called like the main event, which is like a Dave and Buster's. That's true. And it is just like a assault on the senses oh it's coming at you from video games lights music people throwing strikes and i'm we're there i don't understand we were going to talk about music but now it's going to turn into a therapy session that's all right so we're there and all all i can think about is we're running a little late it's it's my girlfriend's mom's birthday holy shit we're running late i'm freaking out because i know we're holding up the lane why do i give a shit we're holding up the lane for like a multi-corporate i'm gonna we, okay, we're gonna talk now. Yeah, it's once a day because yeah. I, I, so I, I, I talk about this a lot of show. I have a therapist I go to once a week, and so much of our conversation is about why what impacts me or influences me does, and why it shouldn't, or why I shouldn't care as much. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with being on time or inconveniencing other people. Yep, like like too much, like yeah. like kind of like. It's okay. They can be inconvenienced, but you, it's, it's this, I bet you a million bucks. It has to do with you being an only child. Uh, I, I think I, you're I will, right. I will get you. So <laughs> give me some books. Oh, well, a, so let me, let me, oh, well, I will tie. So uh, this sounds cheesy. The title sucks, but it's actually a good book and it's a good, uh, 
thing for you to your 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 girlfriend or your wife? Girlfriend. Your girlfriend will thank me. There's a book called The Five Languages of Love, which I think she's already tried to get me to read. Oh, one hundred percent. So there's five ways that you can communicate (laughs) or receive love. Yeah. And the problem is is that not all couples communicate it or receive it in the same way. Yeah. So my way of showing love to my significant other is by acts of service. I will bust my ass at work. I'll make sure that everything is paid for. I will take the kids to school in the morning. I'll pick them up at night. I'll get them to bed. I'll do the bath and all this other stuff. She wants me to be present with her. There's this <laughs> Dude, hitting home. I know it's the same right? thing. Right, 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 right. So she wants me thing. to be present with her. She wants me to to experience life with her and to reflect on right. shared experiences and all this stuff. And it's not that I don't want to. Right. I'm just not wired exactly. to exactly. naturally be that way. So I have to try to yeah. say, yeah, let's, why don't we, why don't right. we, well, well, Saturday, let's go look for the chairs for this room that you've been talking about. And all this other stuff. But my my natural wiring is I just worked my ass off all yeah. day to make sure everything was cool. Right. So can I have an hour or two to listen to Napalm Death or something? You know, what's funny is, is uh, again, like I said, we've never met. And I feel like I'm talking to a taller, uh, better bearded and more haired. Heavier and. But better haired yeah. version of myself. Um, it's 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 crazy. And I think your observations, like you said, you've said a few things to me already that I, I know you understand because even though the circumstances might not match a hundred percent, um, you understand where my mind is. And I think in a sense, it's, it's like a, a smidge more comforting than, because I, I, I don't know how you feel like a, when, when you deal with the, what your wife is asking for, because what your wife is asking for and what my girlfriend is asking for are completely reasonable. And 100%. Are, right, right. And they're not. And, and when I laughed, when you said earlier, it wasn't because I think it's ridiculous. I laughed because it's so similar. And Part of me, it's so hard to kind of change that because you and I have what feels natural to us. And that, that same feeling of, of natural is in them, but just in a different way. Right. So how do you, how do you bring those two worlds together? You work. You work. Exactly. And 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 it requires a high emotional intelligence, a level of empathy and sympathy. And, and I, you know, being a divorce attorney, I think it makes me a better spouse because. I've seen how these more marriages go wrong and a big part of it yeah. is not willing to put the other person before yourself. You got to put the other person before yourself, be able to communicate your emotions in a way that doesn't start, you know, drama. Like, like everybody thinks you have to fight about something yeah, and you don't. But one of the big parts is, is knowing the time to talk about it. And one of my big things that I always talk about is, being able to sit in the pocket of discomfort and not act in the pocket of discomfort. So you've just had an argument. Don't immediately try and fix it. Don't immediately try and talk to them about it. That's not the time. Or, you know, they just did something you're not happy with. Don't talk about it then. Right. Wait till things are cooler and just say, you know, babe, you know, I love you to death. But maybe if if we talked about whatever the case may be, doing the dishes or whatever, in this circumstance, as opposed to this circumstance, yeah. that sort of thing. I wanted to w- w- go well, wherever. Okay. I'll, I'll go. Well, yeah, so yeah. we were talking before the show mm-hmm. and you were talking about you live close to the studio yep. and saying, great, you can text me whenever uh, someone's trying to break in. And I said that jokingly because it's <laughs> not, not, not that I want to tempt fate, but this place is like fucking Fort Knox because it's all center block yeah. and block glass windows. Building. You have to drive like a, a semi through this yeah. to open it up. I'll Which say that. could happen on Tampa well, Road. Well, 100%. And, and not only that, someone will forget to lock the back door tonight and we'll yeah. get we'll get taken for everything we have. But um, I 
at some point in my late twenties became deathly afraid of flying. Okay. And I, it, it was a huge thing, like massive anxiety flying. And as a young, I didn't fly a bunch as a kid because my parents were both school teachers and we didn't have any money to fly. But, um, I, I flown a couple times and it didn't bother me. But as I was, as I graduated from law school and started to work more, I started to become more and more afraid of flying. And at can one, I, can I ask you to start to interrupt? Did sure. anything trigger it? Like, did anything? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, no, you're good. Um, so. Uh, I had graduated law school. I had finished at the state attorney's office and I was opened up my own law practice and I shared space with some other attorneys and we had an IT guy. And ironically, the IT guy, he did that in his part time when he wasn't a pilot flying Southwest. I think it was Southwest. It might know it was Delta back and forth from New York to London. Okay. And I said, you know, I've been, this is becoming a thing. And he's like, he's like, well, because the more power you have in your life, the more noticeable it is that you're losing control when you're in an airplane because yeah. you're completely at the disposal. You're powerless. You're powerless. Yeah. And he's like, so we, we actually see this a lot with CEOs and people yeah. because they don't like being where they're not in control of a situation. And so that's that's what it was. So you were mentioning, you know, the more I have to lose, the more right. fearful I become of losing it. And in a lot of ways, I saw a parody with that. And, you know, the more control I am, in control I am of things, the more control. So, but in, in your situation, as I have got kids now, as I've got a wife, you know, like I could be behind on the rent as a single guy. I mean, what's the worst that could right, happen? Exactly. I just find another place. Now it's like my kids will be right. put out on the street. My wife will be put on the street or I have these things I don't want to lose. Right. So I 100%, the less you have to lose, the less worried you are about things. And I don't know another documentary. Did you ever see the minimalism documentary on no, Netflix? Okay. No, well, I've not seen that one. A big return to less is more, you know, the less belongings, the less financial responsibilities and all these things. I, f I feel like that's uh, really relevant in, in, I guess the, the times I've always felt like things don't, not a nihilistic, but in the times I've always felt like whatever happens, happens has always been, I think, when um, I've had, you know, either been single or just kind of been in down in the dumps in certain times of my life. And I, I think when you, when you fall in love or when you have kids, like I don't have kids, but in your circumstance, when you have kids, you have a family. And despite the fact that I'm not married or have kids, I do consider like my current circumstance, like it's my family. Right. Um, and. Well, if you love someone. Right. I, I love, I love, the loving I love the person I'm with. I love our situation. Our, our dynamic sounds, you know, we're different people, but I think that's part of my, what makes it work. Um, but anytime I've been in a circumstance where things are good and happy, I always am a little bit more like, okay, well, when are things going to go wrong? Oh, <laughs> so, bro. so it's kind of like, dude, we, oh, man. right. Exactly. You and I sound like we have a lot of in common, oh, but you can't enjoy the good stuff because right. you're waiting for the bad stuff. Yeah, you actually, it's gonna happen. you do better when things <laughs> yeah. are bad because Usually. it's like, of course, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that this so, is what I was, this right. is, this is where I can exist sure. on this plane Yeah, because you don't think you deserve good things. I guess maybe that's, that's probably part of it. Yeah. I, I have listened to a lot of, uh, I mean, you mentioned it on pretty much most of the episodes I listened to about the therapy thing and, and all, all joking aside, I was, I was listening. I'm like, there's always a stigma, you know, as a, as a male and, um, particularly like I, I'm, I'm originally from Eastern Europe. So everyone's like emotionally stunted yeah, because you have to be partially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just the kind of family I grew up in. And there's always this little bit of stigma of like, well, you pick yourself up and you, and you dust yourself off, which is a good thing that I'm glad I learned because I, I can thrive in scenarios and circumstances that maybe would have broken me or would have been really hard to get through if I hadn't have gone through that. But it's also made it hard to be honest about I know who you got that from, by the way, that poster back there. 
I know exactly. This one? You, yes. No, no. The oh, battle. This one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just sure. put two and two together. Yeah. I know where that came from. I'll talk to you about it later. But um, getting to that, getting to that point where you realize, like, hey, you can you can be a thirty something or forty something year old guy and have your shit quote unquote together and still realize, like, I have my life, you know, superficially on the surface together, and my personal life is pretty good. But there's this little pot, little piece of the pie chart that's kind of been a disaster and has been hampering you your whole damn right. life. Like it's okay to maybe say, um, maybe I should go talk to somebody or maybe I should get some some kind of um, help or just somebody, just a sounding board to, that's that's not related to me. That's not a family member. That's not a friend that can just tell me objectively what their observations are because they don't really have to worry about hurting my feelings or what I'm going to be like when I get home. 100%. I mean, that's that's the thing. And I've, I've had this conversation with my wife. She's like, oh, I want you to feel like you can come to me about whatever. And it's like, I do, but I don't want to unload on you yeah. every day. That's tough because, too. You don't want to be a toxic handler. Yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. you're you're my partner who I love, and I want to enjoy my relationship. I don't want to just bum bum you yeah, out constantly. Yeah. But uh, so my father, you know, despite things that he dealt with in his life, was my hero and was a beautiful man, very um, very intellectual. Was not a uh, uh, toxic masculine type of guy. Um, very academic, very intellectual, very philosophical. And he always used to say, it's, it's probably not either or it's both. And, and, um, in law school and study, one of the things that they spent a lot of time with you on is logical fallacies. And, uh, you see this tons of often on Facebook. And when people are arguing is it can only be this or that. Right. So in the context of what you're talking about, I think you can be a tough, pull yourself up by the Absolutely. bootstraps person and also go to therapy. You'll be better. Think, You'll be better. I think it. you're like a superhero yeah, at that yeah. point. So, I mean, I don't think, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I think True. you can do both those. And so, yeah, apart aside from having someone who you don't worry about their judgment of you is the great thing about therapy. And in a lot of ways, the great thing about these podcasts is you reveal these nuggets that oftentimes come from you that you didn't even know were there. Yeah. And you hear yourself speak truth that had to, had to come from bouncing it off of somebody else. Right. Yeah. And so that's the great thing about therapy. That's the great thing about this podcast. That's the great thing about talking to someone for longer than five minutes. You know, what did you do today? Uh, right, exactly. What do you want for dinner? Uh, uh, what do you want to watch on Netflix? Uh, and that's the sum total of your conversation with somebody. Yep. You know, I, I think I think the conversation is a lost art. And so for this very reason, I think it's so important. Um, let's let's can we get into history of you? Whatever a little bit? you want to do, man. All right. You, were you, you born overseas? Yeah, or? I was born overseas. I was born in Eastern Europe. So I'm a Eastern Bloc ex Soviet um ex Soviet Bloc country, Bulgaria. Okay. I lived there for a couple of years and then my family uprooted uh right as basically as communism was falling, like in the early nineties. How old were you? I was pretty young. Um somewhere between five and six, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember it at all? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, what I was going to say is you, you you were talking about flying. I fly pretty often still. And there's been moments where I'm flying and I'm literally like, holy shit, what is, this is insane. Like when you're, yeah, when you, when you start to, when I start to think about it, right. When I'm actually thinking about it, as opposed to just like, uh, shoveling it down under the, under the ground. 
and you think about like, I'm flying over the Atlantic Ocean. If we crash, we're dead. If we don't die, we're going to die in the Atlantic. I have right? this weird thing about <laughs> I'm more scared of flying over water than I am over it's land. It's way worse. Because I don't want to like submerge in water. Yeah, but eaten by something or by, by no stretch is crashing into a mountain any better. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's all probably horrible. worse. But yeah, so I've flown a lot and that that definitely resonated with me a bit. But for some reason, I, I and I don't take like, I don't drink when I'm on a flight. I don't take any kind of medications. I've just gotten to this point where my brain kind of just fizzles out and I just don't think about what's happening. I read a great book that explains to you literally every sound you hear on a plane. What is what, it terrifying or no? It helps me a lot. Really? It's okay. like, that is the sound of the landing gear. That is the sound right. of the cabin pressurizing. Yeah. Um, the amount of turbulence it would require to do and what you think is bad turbulence are it's insane. light years apart. Yeah. Like there's so much, you know, everything that I'm af afraid of, you really have no reason to be afraid. It's pretty of. low chances. Yeah. It, yeah. It really is. But uh, no, that book helped me out a lot. Now I'm pretty cool. Um, and the other thing that's helped me is now with kids on is you I've got to worry about, about them because yeah, their the ears, plane. they don't know how to clear their ears out. So you got to, you know, my I remember the first time we took my daughter on a plane. My, this is my wife. This is why she's amazing. She made like 20 goodie bags. Handed them out. With Reese's Beautiful peanut looks. butter cups and little notes saying, sorry, this is yeah. our daughter's first plane trip. And now we had 20 people helping us with our That's daughter. Awesome. Like everybody was turning around and it was the best experience ever. Um, you, you can see the best and the worst of people on planes. I've seen that, like an example uh -huh. of that. And then I saw a uh, man one time after like a you know six, seven hour flight from New York to some part of Europe. Because you always have to connect to get to Bulgaria. Yeah. There's no direct flights. So you always connect to like Germany, uh, UK, or uh, sometimes Italy, but most of the time Frankfurt. Anyway, we get off this like six, seven hour flight and this uh, this kid was just crying as we're disembarking. Right. And the guy's like, get your kid to be quiet. And the lady's like, he's been quiet for, it's just horrible. You just see the worst. Having a people. kid is the best remedy if you have problems <laughs> yeah, with kids yeah. crying. Cause if you go from being annoyed as shit by him to feeling sorry for the parent. True. I already have that. I don't, yeah. I don't well, some people that. grace are gracious already, but I was never like, shut that kid up. But right. I'd just be like, yeah, you do. You know, oh, but, but now it's just like, Hey, you need They're me to going help you it. carry those bags out. Or you want yeah. me to watch them while you run the other one to the bathroom or whatever. So no, 100%. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, back to Bulgaria. Unless you had something else, you want no, to for sure. So uh, only only child you said, right, only child. We moved. We moved to the U.S. Uh, Pasco Pasco County, Florida, of all places. Uh, obtained. So you went to the only more dangerous place it's, than Bulgaria, but the worst. <laughs> Pasco is yeah. like. I saw Polk County, but it's, uh, it's, it's close, right. Man. It's it's the younger brother. Hudson and those areas, again, you, I'm not making a all-inclusive statement. It's just there's some things about um, Pasco and like Port Ritchie and Hudson that's just not great. I mean, mm -hmm. there's been meth problems there. and Motorcycle uh, gangs. Motorcycle gangs, yeah. crime, um, just not great stuff there. Right. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I'm not even going to act like I was affected by it. I wasn't. But still, it is an area, especially back then where you grew up, there's like not much to do. And there's not a lot of like artistic things happening. There elementary school and high school there? Elementary school through high school and ended up going to U USF for my undergrad. Um, I never, well, I did move away, but not for college. Okay. So I moved away after college. Where did the music bug bite you? The music bug bit me uh, pretty young. I had uh, some of the American friends I made, some of the first friends I made. Um, I was in school with them all the way from elementary to middle they started playing in a band. Of course, I was the one guy who couldn't play any instrument at that point. So I always just really wanted to hang out with them. They were my really cool friends. They were kind of like the gatekeepers of 
of music for me at that point in time. Who are so your was, early bands? Who who is it? That so kinda- Europe, European wise, you start you do like things like the Scorpions, um, Michael Jackson because you're European. Madonna, like my aunt. I only have like a ten year difference with my aunt, and huh. she would introduce me to a lot of music back in Europe. Right. Europe still is like they listen to the weirdest shit in the world there. Right. Like, techno pop is still super popular there. But um, that was in Europe. Once I moved here, my friends started to kind of introduce me to pop punk bands like Fat Records, if you're familiar. For sure. A lot of no effects like Live yeah. Wagon, Strong Out, Mill and Colin. Uh-huh. Then I started uh, after that portion of, of my life, like when we got into middle school, I started listening to new metal, which is another embarrassing phase. And then ultimately started- Except for Deftones. Deftones oh. are great. Thank They're you. one All of right. the best bands, I think, in the last like 20, 30 Fuck you, years. Greg. Right. Greg doesn't like them. Oh, we're gonna have. We're actually planning a podcast called Tone Deaf, where I spend as much time as I need to get him to like deaf tones. One of the most cons- see, but the thing is, like, if you don't like them, you don't like them. He I don't doesn't like a bass with more than four strings on it. He doesn't like not, a guitar with no, more than no, six strings on it. And God forbid you have a turntable in your band. So the tur- the guy in Deftones, Frank Delgado, has not scratched on a record since probably White Pony. Uh-huh. So that's my first offense. Nobody in Deftones has ever played more than four strings. Steph Carpenter, I will say, has gone up to nine strings, but typically only uses about four or five per yeah. song. So it's kind of like by default, it's less. But that's because it's like super drop tuning, isn't and it? And he just smokes a lot of weed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. likes Meshuggah a lot. Yeah. So yeah. he wants to sound like really heavy. And then, I mean, there's never been a band I think that's been able to intertwine uh, elements of like My Bloody Valentine, um, Shoegaze Metal. Which, right. by the way, getting moving forward. <laughs> That is what I got, not specifically, but there's a shoe ba- shoegaze aspect to high beams. Yeah, for Would sure. You agree. High, high beams. So high beams is that your? How many bands are you presently? Presently, in? I'm in. I'm in four. So high beam is. I'll start. Okay. The, so the first. So do you want me to go back to like how I started playing, or do you want? I do. I do. I do. I'm sorry. I no, just it's got okay. excited. We can tell me what you want to do now. Do you want to go backwards? Let's or let's from- let's go from you getting into music okay. to your so bands. I'll yeah. try to make it really simple because the details are what matter. So my friends got in a band. I couldn't play anything, so I got to watch them excitedly perform in a pop punk band. I still love those guys. I'm friends with all of them, but um, I didn't start playing until I was about 15. I started playing on my um, friend's drum set. He was a drummer. Wasn't really good at it and wanted to be a front man. So I started playing in just like a horrible theatrical new metal band that was just, we wore masks. Right. not was cool. It was em- embarrassing. Okay. Yeah. I think we played one show. Then I got into a band with those guys. I actually sent you a file. Ultimately, it was a horrible band name uh, called uh, Silence After Tragedy. Yeah, but you had fucking Cobra on it. We had we had Cobra. We had Stallone from there. We did a lot of cool stuff. All things aside, we got. To I like that. I like that song a lot. I, I appreciate it. Um, I mean, the, all your stuff was killer. Like, I, and I thank and you. I, I I'm not all you know. I love music, and I'm I never want to shit talk right music like. But it's subjective. Into, well, for sure. But there's there's a there's a there's a spectrum of my appreciation sure. for music and everything you sent me was great. And it's and all it, over the place. And it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And it was unexpected because a lot of the stuff that I get kind of always falls within a, a harder, harder range. But as we kind of move forward, it gets a little bit more. That's kind of like the, yeah. the trajectory. I think like my life kind of took in terms of what I was listening to music when you're young, you listen to aggressive stuff. But anyway, that's kind of what I cut my teeth on for lack of better words is I literally started playing because my friend's like, I need a drummer. I have a drum set. I don't want to play drums. I started playing drums. Never, ever learned how to do anything right. Never played in band. Never did drums. No. And, 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 that's, and, and 
back then you feel like that's like a, a badge of honor, like, oh, I never did anything technically right. And I now at like in my mid thirties, I, I wish I would have gone Had back. all your rudiments. Yeah. Or and learned things yeah. right. Cause I'm literally doing them now in my mid thirties. Right. And, and I feel like a baby learning to crawl, even though I can play music. I don't know how to do all these things. Technically well, but that's, right. I mean, that's the way, you know, you know, James Hetfield recorded five albums before he figured out how to sing without destroying his throat. Um, you know, most, most guitarists, I know, uh, Dave Grohl's like, I can't read music. I can't write music. Yeah, I but can't. he's like a virtuoso. Well, but most people kind of go into it backwards yeah. is my point. That's you what know, I'm, that's it's, what I'm doing it's now. like as a kid, you go by your ear and go by your heart and your gut and your balls and all this yeah. other stuff. And then you get to a certain point. It's like, it would be really nice to know what other notes could come next when after you, this. Yeah, one when you or, get older, yeah. and now instead of like getting really mad and, and going, "Why can't I figure stuff out?" I'm realizing like, "Oh, it's because you never learned how to do." Because your vocabulary, yeah, you, you didn't need learn to improve your C. vocabulary, right? So, 100. Um, so, but that's uh, that. So I started playing with that. That fizzled out really quick. But three of of those guys, and we added a bassist. Three of those guys started like, "Let's." We got really into metalcore. There was a bunch of these. Um, Christian metalcore bands. None of us were Christian. I don't care what anybody's. You can't really understand saying. what anybody's saying anyway. So right. I mean, so we started, be, we yeah. started listening to these bands. Like, I don't know if you ever heard a band called Zayo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early under oath when they were yeah, like yeah. almost like a black metal band. Um, all these bands that like living sacrifice, uh, and, and we really got into that type of music. And that was in the early two thousands. And, the band fizzled out, I think in like Oh four, Oh five, when most of us went to college, but we got to do some cool stuff in terms of as just a bunch of little kids from Pasco, we went on to like, we went, we did a couple tours, like two Texas, one North Carolina. Um, and we got to play locally with a lot of really uh, bands that became huge in the metalcore scene. I'm listening um, to you. I'm after, just texting no, absolutely. Elliot Mayo, who's next. So. Well, I thought Elio was coming, Elliot yes. was coming on before me. So anyway, one of the bands we used to play with was uh, one of Elliot's old bands, uh, Beauty and Chaos. So I've known Elliot for, for close to 20 years too. That's awesome. He's a, he's been like a scene staple. That guy is, if you want to take people that are about it, about that life, like he is about that life. He loves music. Um, he is a hundred percent authentic in what he does. He's like super sincere guy. And he's like a, a book of knowledge on, on heavy music. But anyway, we would play like the state theater. Um, we played, I don't know if you remember Venom when it was around. Yes. Played Venom, like open for Barrier yes. Dead. We've opened for Hatebreed. Wow. Yeah. Just As like, which band? Silence After Tragedy. Okay. Wow. But we were just like, I think what happens, and, and this is probably still the case, is when you're a dependable group of guys that can show up, like you're not going to get plastered. You're going to be on time. You're going to get off stage on time. And you're going to do the 25 minutes you're given and not a minute over. People just come to know, even if the music's not great, because our music wasn't great. Like, it's it's fine. I have no problem saying that now. We were young, but like we were dependable and we could get people to come out and we did what we were supposed to do. So we got to play on a lot of these really cool bills with bands I still listen to today. Right. So it was really worth it in that regard. But I think once we all got into our early 20s, everyone's like, hey, we got to like, we're losing money doing this. Right. Like, it is not going to work out the way we thought. Nobody wants to go tour nationally. It's too expensive. Let's just like go live our lives. Everybody went off to college or was finishing college, got jobs. I didn't play drums for like years after that. Oh, wow. Like seven years I went by without playing drums after that band. So how old were you when you got back into it? Probably late 20s, almost 30. Yeah. So you stopped when you were what? Like 19? Yeah, no, no, no. I stopped when I was about like 23, 24. Okay. Yeah. And then I did a few stints here and then I, I played drums in Jerry X for a while, which I feel like every drummer <laughs> yeah. in the area has played. Uh, in our band, yeah. I played in our band for a little bit. Uh, then I did that studio project I sent you, which wasn't really active. But other than that, from like 2004 or five till about, 
2013, I didn't play drums. What got you back into it? I missed it. I didn't realize like how bad I missed it. Um, I think it's one of those things you don't know how how bad it is until you start to kind of see, you start going to more local shows and you're seeing how much fun people are having. And it's a different mentality too. Like when I got older, I stopped caring about it being a competition. There's not this chip on our shoulder of like, who's the best drummer? Who's that? Who's, who's better than me? Who's worse than me? And that's, a, I think, like a kind of an ego thing you try to shed in general as you get older. And I was very like insecure because I felt, you know, not great about my skills and all these things. And I would see these drummers that were amazing. And then sometimes I'd make myself feel better because I'd be like, oh, that drummer's not great. But then I got almost thir- to almost 30 and I started realizing like, it's about expression. It's about like seeing what people can do and how they can get what's inside them out. Communicate. Yeah. I, I, I have this conversation a lot, you know, um, and it's not a great novel concept, but, you know, the most technical music is generally boring to me and antiseptic and there's not i'm not there's some music that's technical that's just amazing but i would much rather someone whose guitar is a little bit out of tune or maybe you know is beating the shit out of their drums and they're about to fall over you know whether it's the ramones or the bad brains or wherever you want to go with it i mean they're they're the the, The passion is the passion the fire in the bell and they're getting it out it doesn't have to be technically exactly you know that's and, and even in recordings it's the little glitches or or you know right. they they missed a beat or the lyrics started too late or whatever the thing was that's 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 where the the the, the juice is exactly yeah so um so when do we get into the fast talkers when do we get into so the fast beats? talkers was the first thing sorry about that okay. fast talkers was the first thing that um it was an existing band that drummers moved away okay so he he, he was uh the singer in that band the songwriter he's I'd say the creative mind behind the whole thing. He was friends with a few of my friends and they knew I was like, Hey, I really want to get back into drumming. I literally just rented a rehearsal space at people's storage to just play my drums. Right. Cause my friend had a space there. He's like, you can split it, blah, blah, blah. That place is <laughs> insane. By the way, that's there's, awesome. There's gotta be so much illegal stuff going on. Oh there, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> that's I don't funny, know. Allegedly. But, um, it, it's a great place because it allows for people to practice. That's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so I got a space there. He knew I was kind of looking for something. He said, Hey, this pal of mine, the losing their drummer, do you want to maybe try playing with them? And it'd been years since I'd been in a band. I was like, you know what? I don't know if I this material necessarily resonates with me, but I'll go jam with the guys, see what happens. Started jamming. Lo and behold, it's like two and a half, three years later now I've been playing with them. Um, High Beam came after because a few of those guys that I mentioned I'd shared a space with sure. were looking to do something different. So it's, I guess you can call it a super group, but that implies that we think highly of each other, which we don't. Um, but it is people from like a lot of other bands. You just curated yourself Cur- from other bands. In a chance. Yeah. I got lucky because those are, they're, they're guys from a lot of other great bands. Like Mike Ramondi used to play bass in Empire Cinema and he used to be in a band from back in the day called um, Macrame Owls. Ariel Cortez has played in um, Zulu Wave and Dawns, both really great bands. Uh, Jared is our singer and, and like a rhythm guitarist. He's, he plays in Hello Joyce, if you ever heard of them, in a band called The Blonde Tongues, really great, like revival rock and roll. And then the other guy, Ed, who plays bass, he's also in Fast Talkers with me, but he's a great bassist. So it's kind of like these guys who all just wanted to do something different than right. their acts or their bands that they had left. And um, they said, do you want to play drums? I was like, yeah, absolutely. You guys are all phenomenal musicians. It, it, it's amazing to me. And it's been revealed through my, you know, doing this show. What a deep catalog and what a deep roster of amazing bands and musicians. Tampa's amazing. It's it's insane. And so, 
before I got so much into local music, I, I, I mean, I could speak at length about the history of death metal and Tampa, oh, yeah. and then obviously, yeah. you know, hip hop and, and Latino music Huge. and that sort of stuff. But I've just, it's been amazing the number of bands. And I mean, I have to thank people like Elliot for that because yeah. he just. He's an encyclopedia. Oh my God. Yeah. And and I'm usually the guy in most of my relationships that's introducing people to music. Elliot but was, Elliot's like yeah. every day is, yeah. and I'm like a kid in a candy store because. Oh, yeah. And have it's you, good. He oh, one hundred percent. But haven't you? You've gotten to points in your life where it's like I'm just bored with everything I'm listening to. Oh, absolutely. I need something new, and you're kind of like, oh. But literally with him now, it's just like every day. It's like, oh, right. You know, uh, uh, Witchbender, or uh, oh, you know, all these different people. And it's yep. just like I didn't have no idea about it. So it, it's been so bad. But I, again, I, I can't emphasize enough what you sent me today. I was literally blown do you, away do by you, all do of you it. Do you actually like it? One hundred percent. Oh, I would tell you. Well, awesome. I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't, you I wouldn't. I wouldn't compliment you. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't talk You're like about me. it. You're like me. No, That's yeah, fine. but no, I loved it, and awesome. I, I, I still like. I have this thing that I do, and I don't know if it's complimentary or not, but I have to tell people who their band sounds like. Sure, I, I love it, and I suspect on occasions that maybe it's like, oh, we're trying no, to do our own thing, and I don't care. But no, I, I definitely there was a almost like a sped up cure. Yeah, sure. Aspect to the high 100%. beams. And Disintegration is one of my favorite albums of all time. Cure are so much better than The Smiths, and I don't care what anybody yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw I'm Morris. So, no, you're going to yeah, lose yeah. half the fan base. Yeah, I rem- I, I, I've, I've taken a good beating from friends I for being Cure, a Morrissey man. fan. But no, Cure for the sure. Cure they got a new album coming out, so pretty stoked about that. So there was a couple other things, though, that you sent me. What was the the, the, the last one that you sent so me? So the last thing I sent you might have been the studio project, which I told you I did kind of in between. That was just like a metal thing, but it was cool because i got to record at mana studios which is eric rutan's studio yeah, yeah, yeah we were in the b room okay. but that's where like so much great death metal that's still coming out right it's coming out of mana it's right. they produce like major label bands so i got to do that that was a little stressful um but that i mentioned never it, we literally rehearsed five six times recorded an ep it's called the fevered circle um, with one of the guys, Mark Rivera knows he was in a band with Mark Rivera, Barry Pinto, right. great guitarist. He just asked me, he's like, Hey, can you just play drums on this? We'll probably never be a band. And I said, yeah, fucking good drummer. You're, you're like a, a relief pitcher or like, I a- would say relief pitcher is, is accurate because I'm not great at anything other than just maybe filling in enough and keeping, keeping us from keep losing time, the game. If you can keep <laughs> yeah, time exactly. for everybody and. <laughs> You know, I, I talk about it a lot, like especially recording, like like it's it's all on your it's shoulders. So hard. It's, it's so hard. all on I your hate shoulders. It. I like, hate it. Yeah, I mean, you got to be there four hours before everybody else, micing yeah. up your set, set your stuff up. How many pieces sure. do you? Do you I play, play? Uh, small. I've always played like a small kit, and when I was younger, I'd play a five, which was two rack toms and a floor, um, with the kick drum and the snare, obviously, but. Over time, even even when I was younger in my 20s, I was just like, all I need is a rack tom and a floor tom. Um, so I just play a, a trap set. It's true. You watch some good uh, good drummers and they can make, you know, right. the five piece sound like a 30 piece 100%. or whatever. I mean, one of my favorite, I, I was, when we were talking about you coming on the show, I kind of listed off some of my favorite drummers. One of my all time favorites is Dale Crover from the Melvins. And Melvins are, he can just, yeah. he can just crush an animal. And then they had a, a brief period there where they had Big Business as a rhythm section and Cody Willis uh, from Big Business. And what was cool about that was Dale Crover and Cody are one's left handed and one's right handed. So they were. Did they play together? Yeah, they yeah, were yeah, playing yeah. together yes. and they were yeah. like the mirror opposite it's of awesome. each other. Uh, oh, they have the song Night Goat by the Melvins at the beginning of it when the drums start hitting. It's just. And I saw them. I saw Big Business open for Sleep at the Ritz. And. 
I was so stoked about seeing Matt Pike because I I'm a high on fire sleep fan, yeah. but I had seen I've now seen both. But I was my my big excitement that that night was to watch Matt Pike, and I got to say Cody Willis. You didn't I think, care. I was like <laughs> I was like texting people. I was like, watch this fucking guy play yeah. drums, and like my sternum was like yeah. shaking, and my so amazing. Um, where was I going to go? So Dale Crover. Uh, but I wanted to ask you some of your drum heroes. Okay. I mean, and and we'll we'll leave John Bonham and Neil Peart out of yeah, it because that's kind of hack and everybody. I actually to to say, and this is no disrespect to Neil Peart, I don't really I don't really have like a you're not a history. proggy drummer not, guy. N- I, well, I would say I like prog, but I just never really got into Rush. Yeah, and I know that they're that's you like Tool for me. I I like components of Tool, but you Tool like him as a drummer. Danny Carey is phenomenal. Yeah, I think. I mean, Tool talk writes, about a lot of fucking pieces. Yeah. Your drums, <laughs> but I also think. Tool writes the same song over and over in a yeah. different way, which is whatever. And somebody's going to get upset, I'm sure. But That's all right. Danny Carey's phenomenal. I think they're uh, Maynard's. Uh, I actually like Perfect Circle better than I like yeah. Tool, just because they're more straightforward. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I love. So you mentioned Deftones, Abe Cunningham, um, amazing, amazing underrated drummer in my opinion. Brad Wilk from uh, Rage Against the Machine is, sure. is phenomenal. Who gave me that poster? Uh, Mike Romandi sold it to. I think gave it to Keith Ulrey, and then you bought it from Keith. That's right. That is from my my bassist. You know the chain of custody. I know the chain of custody. Well, he's not my bassist, but he used to play bass in Empire Cinema. So I always think he's a guitarist in High Beam. But that's where that came from. You got to send him over so you can visit. Mike his is awesome. Oh, Mike's a great For, guy to talk send him, to. Send him, send him my I, way. I'll let him know. All right. Um, but yeah, so I really love. Um, did uh, you see the concert they did in England in like 2010 or 2011? When no. Oh, they open with Testify, and Dude, it's the crowd is just. They're bananas. one of the. I think they're one of those bands where you watch the like the second or third show they ever put on that's yeah. on, on video, and you can see it from that moment. You're like, whatever this band does is going to be the insane gold, yeah. because it's it's there from yeah. like the second they started. They didn't they didn't become Rage Against right, the they Machine. Were, they were right. from day one. So that's 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 really great and organic. Um, I love. I I can't take away like I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna catch flack from drummers, but Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath. Okay. He, I mean, if you listen to his drumming, despite what you think of their music, um, his drumming, he's like Dave Grohl on steroids. Um, he's not a technically great player, but he, he was always really fun to watch. And I, I grew up watching when I was 15, 16, I would go watch these guys and they were just insane. And he would still play these really intricate parts. He doesn't get enough credit. I don't love their new material, but that guy saying he wasn't an influence is like a joke. I, I love his drumming on all the um, early under Oath stuff. Um, I can't not give credit to jo- Joey Jordison. I don't really like Slipknot now. Right. That's obvious. That's somebody that definitely influenced me back in the day. Have you ever heard of Josh Freese? Played a, plays give in the Vandals, band. Devo. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. he's, he's played with, what's the guy from The Replacements? Uh, Paul Westerberg. Yeah. He played with him when he was like super young. Um, he's been in Nine Inch Nails. Okay. He's just, he's one of those guys that can do everything. Right. Gil Sharon. That's a yeah. guy who used to play in Dillinger Escape Plan. He's uh-huh. played for Manson. Um, and there's a lot of really good studio drummers that don't get a lot of attention that are Jack- Chris Maggio is. Yes. But I'm trying, who did he, who did he he's on the for? high and fire and the, on the yeah, left yeah, yeah. he okay, took over okay. for their drummer. Yeah, yeah. And he just like recently, I think like severed a finger off of his hand and they had to put it back on or something crazy like that. high on fire. He'll probably be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't the guy lose his toes? Um, yeah, Matt Pike lost right, his toes. Yeah, diabetes. diabetes or something. Yeah. But he's fine. He's still <laughs> rocking. Those guys are rocking. That guy's a dead. zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, those that's just great. I I love all the. I'm a big, you know, I was a big Mastodon fan. So Bron Daler, he's great. I love him he's a lot. Great. Ben Kohler from Converge. Ben Kohler is amazing. And he's in all pugs. All pigs must die. And he's yeah. been in a bunch of other stuff. Who else did I say? Uh, Dale Crover. Oh, obviously. you know who else I really like? The guy from. Um, have you ever heard of Me Without You? 
Yes, I have, but I don't know. Ricky Dim, I think it's Ricky Dim. They're one of those bands that a lot of people love. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Greg was telling me he went into a deep. It's one of those things. If you, it's kind of like it's like a different end of the spectrum of Deftones. If you if you get it and it resonates, sure, you will love everything they do. Right. If you don't, you're probably going to dislike the entire catalog. It's kind of out there. It's a little bit artsy. Uh, for lack of a better word. So with COVID, how much were you touring before? No, I haven't done any touring typically just playing live a lot. So that's what I meant. Yeah. Playing live is what I meant. Um, when, when you're, when you're in like two, three bands, we were typically doing anywhere from one to three shows a month, just depending on how busy it was. So fast soccer's was a little bit more active high beam. By the time we got things going, it almost like, uh, oh, well, Mike did have a kid. So that kind of slowed things down. Right. we all supported him going to take some time off, but yeah, probably about like one to four times a month, depending on the month. You miss it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's your favorite part of it or? Yeah. I, I like the hangs, the hangs with the, with the group of guys. Right. Cause it's almost like a, in a way it's almost like poker night. You know, do you, you get to write any, us. any of the music for any of the bands? I don't write other instruments, but I will say, and I don't think I'm saying this like in an egotistical way. I do think I have an ear for like helping arrange. And I typically can try to um, spur ideas with like beats or right. if I hear somebody doing something, what I like to do and all the bands I'm in is like, hey, keep playing that. Yeah. Even if it's just somebody like tuning or messing with a pedal, yeah. if I hear something there, I will literally stop and just go repeat, like start playing and I'll put it on my phone because and I hear you something. You can play some drums so, too and make something Right. Out and I can't write guitar. I don't know how to play anything other than drums. I can barely play drums, but I do think I have an ear for like arrangements. What about and, lyrics? No, no, I'm, I'm terrible tough, at that. Man. I'm, I'm, it's my second language. Right. So I speak kind of broken technically, even though you probably can't tell like I'm foreign. My understanding, it's like opposite verb, adjective, yeah. you know, verb, noun right. agreements. So right. my brain still kind of functions like that. And it's not good for, for our artistic writing. Like okay. any kind of pose. Yeah. Okay. Um, but have you guys been writing a lot, recording a lot? Fast Soccer's has basically been dormant other than the guy who's banded his name's Cheech. Um, he's been doing a lot of writing on his own and kind of doing his own little like scratch tracks, like bedroom demos, which right. is totally cool. So he's been kind of doing that. We've not been active. High Beam has basically kind of been on on the back burner. Mike and I have, have sent some ideas back and forth because he does the primary songwriting on guitar. Uh, but that's been dormant. But the other two bands I'm in have been a little bit more active in terms of like I've been practicing a bit with with both of them, even though that's still been very like reduced. Right. Uh, but the heavier bands I'm playing in right now are definitely a little bit more active. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I got Elliot waiting out there, yeah, but man. do me this favor. I, I can already tell we've got like 10 more interviews oh, in us. We got to talk about we, Dillinger Escape Land. We got to talk about Dillinger Escape Land. I, I think we've got a week. I followed them to Tokyo. You told me that. I, I went to Tokyo to see that. That's crazy. Dude, it was like the How was that? Oh, well, they have a lot. Of, was it Melt Banana or some of those? They have like those. There's some bands. Tokyo over there is like loves music. If you want to talk about, uh, and I know I don't want, I don't want to keep them waiting. No, you're but fine. If you want to talk about like a culture that appreciates art in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. I was shocked at how well it was received there. They're very reverent and very, you know, they were, res- uh, they have a sense of respect for it. And it's like shows are expensive there. Like yeah. even D- DIY. Like people don't go unless they really want to be right. there. It's it not like, like, I, like a, yeah, it, they were like hundred dollar tickets to go to about state theater and then crowbar size venues. But I would pay that to watch. Uh, I would do it. I would do it 10 times. Over I'm kind of hoping, and this is kind of shitty. It's kind of shit talking. I'm kind of hoping that they all see that. I don't think it'll happen. You don't think so? No, I think that uh, I know Ben and, and uh Gregor. I think that dude I think, on each other. I think that dude and 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 I love that guy. Uh, I I've been into Dillinger since I was literally sixteen. I listened to Calculating Infinity in like two thousand, a year yeah. after it came out. Um 
But I think that singer Greg, even though he kept the, the band alive, he's clearly got he's some he's a little attitude. egotistical. Yeah, and and I went and saw his other band, the Black Queen, in ta- in Tampa Crowbar. It's like a synthwave band. They're good, but live, I was like, he, he's his head just seems a little big, and I think that's what's going to prevent what you're what you're alluding. Maybe to. although the Black Queen Queen doesn't quite seem to be panning out. No. He's doing Killer Be Killed with uh, Troy Sanders, which is it's kinda, okay. That's a side thing. Yeah, but now he's putting out his own yeah album. It's which disjointed. Is, but it's very Dillinger sounding. It's Some like, of it. It's like, you know, why don't you just do it with the guys and, you know, kind of get back in there. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, Weinman did Draft Tongue Orchestra. That which, already fizzled out. Yeah, like, that, completely. Didn't, that didn't. It was cool. Well, I think but it's because uh, uh, Brent Hines fucked his foot up on a motorcycle and they couldn't tour behind They stopped it. touring, but then I think they were supposed to do another album, but then they didn't end up doing it. But regardless, yeah, like I have that. Um, I, I can tell you all about going to Tokyo. I mean, Tokyo is amazing to begin with. And then seeing that show there, I saw them in a room that was like a 200 cap room. It was, it I was, definitely want to hear about that. Oh, it was, it was you know amazing. Dave Decker? Uh, I do know Dave. He's Have you heard a story place. of uh, seeing Fugazi in Gainesville? Uh, I believe I've listened to you tell me about uh, like, the so he got, shirt. Yeah, from Joe yeah. Lally. Yeah. Who is now like on Facebook. You can be friends with him. Like, he's giving bass lessons online. Uh, every musician that has been has has had their life turned yeah. upside down is like doing some, yeah. some semblance of that. Yeah. I, I, I literally, I, and I am not bullshitting you or blowing smoke up your shirt. I could talk to you until 10 yeah, o'clock well, tonight. It was my mistake for booking two back to back. No, no disrespect mistake. to Elliot, but 100%, you're in the neighborhood. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's have you back on. I'd love to do it again. Um, you, you're like a mix between Gabe uh, from Creative Loafing and, and I've all never people. Met Gabe. So Gabe is a music writer for. Um, I know Ray really well too. So he's on staff with Ray and he used to own. Oh, is he reacts? Vinyl Fever. He used uh, to own Vinyl Fever. Oh, okay, so he. If if you're not friends with, please do me this favor on Facebook tonight. Become uh-huh. friends with Gabe Echazabel. I'm okay, getting much better. It's a very particular name. Every morning he posts six or seven pieces of amazing music trivia that you had no okay. idea about. I look. I can't wait. I, I get excited every morning to see what El- Elliot is suggesting yeah, as yeah. far as music and what piece of trivia Gabe is posting. I'll check about, it out. So. But I would love to come back on. Honestly, you're. A, uh, rad dude, I love you so much. Thank you, you too, for coming man. by. Thank we we've got a lot me. of inner demons we got to work out with each <laughs> other. It's right. going to be awesome. Yeah. We'll save money on therapy. All right, take, take it care. easy.